The Week That Was with Joe Palmisano. Our number three of the work that week that was, and I am very fortunate uh, to have with me right now the Canton City School Board President, uh, J.R. Rinaldi, and, and the Superintendent of Canton City Schools, Dr. Jeffrey Graham. And I thank you both for being here. The reason I, I initially wanted you to come in, and, and there's so many things I want to talk about about Canton City mm-hmm. Schools, but uh, I was reading the report uh, by the, the story that was uh, from Treasurer Jeff Gruber that stated that Canton City Schools spent $2.6 million more last year than it received. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also went on to say that this trend will continue for the next five years, depleting its reserves by 2022. And my first question, I guess, is uh, since you cut $6 million from this year's budget, is that accurate still or did the statements include those cuts in short the statements included those cuts okay yeah and actually the number was closer to eight million dollars in six right. 6.4 million dollars in people and programs and another 1.2 in transportation okay so what does that mean going forward as far as uh, uh, operating at a deficit do you in, do you predict that for five years and first of all, Joe, I appreciate the question because there's a lot of confusion out there in Good. terms of why that exists, and it's just part of Ohio schools funding. Uh, we passed our last levy in 2011, and the way um, levies are designed, you cannot collect any more than you did the year you passed it. And things cost more now than they did in 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot more state mandates that we're required to follow. So the rules change, uh, things get more expensive, but the money coming in doesn't change. And typically, when you pass a levy, it's intended to last five years. So the fact that this administration and the board leadership has been able to maintain that for looking at nine or ten years is fantastic. So what happens if if twenty twenty two comes along and you're operating at deficits and the reserves are gone? What what impact does that have on the education of the young people? Uh, by law, you cannot you, you operate can't. a deficit. Yeah, so we they just have, will, we just have to keep cutting. Right. I'm sorry. They, no, no, they will come in and take you over. So it's up to us, the leadership of the board, you know, with the help of the superintendent, we have to uh, look at things like we have in the last six, eight months. We've looked at it, you know, and the one thing that Dr. Graham has brought is his professionalism of listening to people. We're doing surveys, we're doing focus groups, and the one thing that, and, and he will talk about it, is one thing we didn't do well, is we didn't listen. How do we communicate? So we're learning we're bringing our, our parents in, our community leaders and things like that. So uh, our staff, uh, the unions are playing a big part of what we're doing here district-wide. The thing that I see being around here you know, forever is I see people back at the table again. Mm. And that's the only way that we're really ever going to make this work is we have to believe in each other. You have you know, a little humility and you've got to be vulnerable. And we talk about that. Yeah. I've got to believe in you and you've got to believe in me. And with the hire of Dr. Graham, he brings that experience from the other districts that – have faced state uh, state takeover and things like that. And when you talk about budgets, the state budget, uh, state funding is down one, uh, 1.9% in the last 10 years. So, you know, that's below flat. Mm-hmm. So, but we have to take care of our own house. So when we talk to our parents and our folks like that, what's important to them? Neighborhood schools, you know, busing, things yeah. like that. But those are the things that with the, uh, the amount of the focus groups and the communication piece that the superintendent is working on with his team, uh, we're going to have a great, great benchmark to work from of 
what's important, and then we're going to need, you know, uh, get our uh, our budget and our needs lined up with what's important to our families. By the way, Dr. Graham, I, I have heard from actual teachers, and this is unusual, a problem. I don't know, maybe it's not, but what a breath of fresh air you are, uh, how you answer emails from individual teachers individually, um, how you're communicating with people. So that's, uh, I, I've heard nothing but great things about what you've done Thank you. since you've been here. I, I, how long does this continue? How long before the state comes in? You said you're not allowed to work at a deficit, but you did. So did you not last year? No. Oh, no. because no. you made the no. cuts. <clears throat> yes. So this is not true. That's forecast. That's why they call it the five-year Okay, but forecast. it said right. you, you spent $2.6 million more last year than you received. Okay, now again, that goes back to the school funding piece. Okay. We receive more money early on in a levy, because the goal is the last five ah, years. Since it. the amount of money you receive in the first couple of years, every year is the same, you spend less in the first couple of years because, again, things cost less money. So okay. we start to receive more money, but we still had our savings. All right. So we started, we're now we're spending our savings to maintain the level of um, programming that we've been doing in the past. Okay, and that's the reserve that you're talking about that would exactly. dry up yes. in 2022 yes. if this kept going. And yes. you talk about some of the other things that drain us. Uh, I think it's $11 million to charter schools and private schools, mm-hmm. and we have to pay for their busing. So when you look at the impacts of what that does to our budgets is that. Why do you have to pay for busing to another? Well, you got a lot of Republican friends, don't you? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know you're I not a Democrat. Well, I'm not a Republican either, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but that's fine. Today was productive, John. I like it. But, but look, we know the rules of engagement, and we have to do our best. We have to worry about what we can t- control. We can't worry about all these outside forces. We can work with those folks. It's no different than uh, the East Central Ohio building trades. Uh, it's no secret the Republicans are in power in Columbus, and the first thing that Billy Shear and Dave Curvin did was they hired Republican lobbyists to work with people. Right. You can hammer them, but what's that going to do for you when it's time to sit down and say, look, we know that there's going to be some things, that it's just the way it is, but you know, can we meet in the middle on some of these other things and things like that? So. Yeah. And if I could add to that, I think there's the, the argument and the logic behind it. These are taxpayers, uh, so why wouldn't we transport our own taxpayers? And if they're choosing to go to another public school because of a service or something we're not providing, well, then shame on us. Again, I think the whole purpose of engaging our community is to understand what they expect from us, then our job is to meet those expectations. So Compete. Our, compete, yes. Our goal is to um, provide the services they expect from us, then educate folks on the fact that we are, and keep getting better together. So that's the, the path we're on. John, do we have to take a break, or can we keep going? All right, good. I have to listen. And on the flip side of that, we have the AIM Academy, which is a balanced calendar school. I think I came out and we talked about that to where now if we have something very attractive that we have a waiting list for, then we need to take a look at, you know, what do we need to do? You know, so we have something that's very attractive out there. Uh, I spend every Friday for an hour out there mentoring a couple kids, and it's a great thing to watch. Uh, and I'd like to see a few more of our schools go balance calendar. Some people say that's year-round. What's balance calendar? Uh, so many weeks on, uh, you know, nine, what, nine weeks on, and then they get a couple weeks off. Uh, and they, no summer break? Well, they have a five-week summer break. Okay. But it's more, what it is, is you don't have the huge gaps of uh, not learning. You know, I got the, it. The education breaks are very small, and they have intercessions in between. The, you know, when they have a break, it's called an intercession. Mm-hmm. And what's great about our staff is, a lot of our staff volunteer their time and come in and work with the kids during those intercessions. 
So there's some kids didn't have any gap last year. So when we look at their growth and things like that with test scores, you see the growth there. So when we talk about how other other countries are educating seven days a week, Mm -hmm. those are some of the things that I know the superintendent and his team are working on. How can we do more of that? Yeah, absolutely. I I, I wanted to get into then, since I've got you here, let's turn to academic achievement Mm -hmm. a little bit. And and, uh, I've talked to JR about this, but no, no one understands what our kids at Canton City Schools needs better than you and the community leaders and the teachers. And yet it seems like you're, you become yoked by common core, by state mandates, state testing uh, to the point where you can't adapt to the individual needs of a community and your students. Is that a, is that a fair statement? Uh, parts of it, I think, are fair. I think overall, the first who knows what our families need more than our families. Obviously, our goal is to engage our families and our students to find out what they need. Uh, there are clearly academic and, and non-academic barriers to education uh, when you're dealing with people of poverty. They have challenges that people of poverty, people who don't struggle with poverty, don't have. Yeah. So our job is to identify those by working with our families, and then we fill those gaps and we remove those obstacles. But in terms of the state testing, yeah, it does not account for those those challenges. And it, if you look at um, state test scores and you compare them to these, uh, how much money the parents make in those districts, they're directly correlated. Mm-hmm. So there are some flaws in our report card, There's and, and people are working on that. Uh, hopefully we come up with a, a product or a process that truly measures the growth of our students. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, but the only one who could really do that are the teachers who are teaching those kids and the Most principals. Out of doubt, yes. So, yeah. so it comes down to saying, let's measure ourselves. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that. Or can you? We can measure ourselves. And again, what we're going to figure out is what our community expects from us. And then how do we meet those expectations? We can measure that. But that is separate from the state test, which measures how well a student does on that one day on a test against other districts. Right. I, I, um, if you continue to, if, if you continue on the state and I know this will be revamped hopefully, but if you continue to fail according to the state, isn't there a danger also of the state taking the district over? How close are we to that? Or is that going to be put on hold as we revamp this testing and, and grading system for districts? I think that depends on who you ask exactly where we are in the process there was a moratorium put on this year to allow no more schools to be placed in takeover um but we got a d so we don't know if that starts the clock over or if it's just still the same number of f's to get us into that category and right now at uh, our, our legislators are working on a local report card um because again that's how you determine whether or not you are failing or not failing and even our legislators agree that that local report card doesn't measure what they want it to measure Right, but once so once they fix that, um, if they go in that order, there's also the question to answer of okay, what happens if you do fail? If you if you've been identified as a failing district, how do we react to that? And both of those now are being wrestled with in legislation. Do you have any say in that? We've spoken our mind. Uh, we've testified. Uh, we've we're on committees. We have our folks working on the local report card piece. Um, different groups, whether it's my state superintendent group, the Iowa eight groups, we have different. 
uh, pathways uh, to our legislators. Kirk Schering's been fantastic. Yeah, he is. Um, awesome. And very much leading in, in terms of uh, getting us in the room. And the I right bet people. Thomas West. Is Thomas the... West has been a wonderful, very supportive. Yeah. So, yeah, we have the right people getting us in the right rooms. Um, but So we're speaking. I'm not sure if we're being heard. I hope you're being heard. Me too. Yeah, there's a lot riding on this. Yeah. I tell you what, John, let's take a break now, and then I want to come back. Let's do it now. Get get through this, and I want to talk to Dr. Graham and J.R. Rinaldi about what you see as the major challenges to the district at this time and going forward, and what are your visions for where this district can be, if we can do that when we come oh, back. Yeah, thank you. We'll continue with... Dr. Jeffrey Graham and J.R. Rinaldi, president of the Canton City School Board, right after this. Now back to the week that was with Joe Palmisano. You know, you're focusing a lot on Stevie Wonder today. I would say that's more of an error of when you graduated. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it might have been. It might have been. Hey, before we go, I want to thank you for having us in today. No. No. And, and also, I know you asked to have Treasurer uh, Jeff Gruber with us today, and, and uh, I gave him a pass, and I said, you know, you really have a face for radio, so you can stay at home this morning. Well, I've got a face for radio, no, and, and so nobody tells me to stay home. No, I don't understand. You're the boss. Yeah. But anyway, but in all sincerity, thank you. Thank you. No, thank you for spending time out of your day to come. I, I um, This is very important stuff, as we were saying at the break. This is the most important aspect of any community is the schools and educating our young people. And so I thank you both for the time you put in uh, on the board and all the things you do, Jr. And, and Dr. Graham, for the for just the way you're reacting and, and working through this whole situation of coming in and becoming a superintendent and making a, making a dent in we, this. We have great people. Everything, yeah. everything else is easy. I believe that. You I, really I do. do. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to get into... Uh, you know, I had talked to Jr. about one of the aspects of being in a, in an inner city school district is, and you talked about poverty, is kids being hungry. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I had talked to you, Jr. earlier in the season, football season, about kids, some of the kids being hungry. They right. they they have to be at school to practice and after school and all those things. And, and then they end up going hungry. They don't eat. Um, I, I, it sounds like you've solved that or getting close to. I don't know about solved, but we run a solid path. And let me be very clear on the, how this process unrolled, because oftentimes as superintendent, I, I get credit for things that I didn't do. And this is definitely one of those times. Um, I got a call from. But you get penalty. You get oh, you get blamed for things you didn't do. But, that, but that, that's my job, though. So, yeah. But uh, the I got a call from Representative Thomas West, and he said, "Hey, Jeff, um, we have." And he explained the situation you you just described. Kids have lunch at eleven o'clock in the morning, and then they go to practice, and they get home or seven o'clock at night, and oftentimes there aren't meals waiting for them there. Right. Um, so I reached out and learned more about what we did, and in, in those conversations about how to resolve that issue. Um, so I talked to Sean Stranger, our, our athletic director, or our director of athletics and some other things. Um, and he said, well, Jeff, what we do is after school, we give them a snack. And last year, we tried to give them more of a meal, but the coaches didn't want their kids out running on, you know, sandwiches and, and something heavy. So I talked to Tad, our business manager, who's in charge of food service. 
and Aaron Cole, who's our director of food service, and kind of threw it out there with them. They said, Jeff, we've been working on this already, and here's what we got. So long story short, uh, there will be snacks, uh, granola bars, cheese and crackers, those types of things right after school between any co-curricular, extracurricular activity um, um, and school. And then afterwards, there's a meal um, similar to our school lunches, but more of a dinner type menu. And it's right now it's at our middle schools and our high school, and we plan to expand that to everyone. Now, it's a little more of a challenge in our elementary schools because they don't have operating kitchens, but we can invest in that. Um, Long story short, all this money is coming from our food service budget, which we can't spend on anything else. And they've done a great job over the years, so they have a reserve, and that reserve is being reinvested into serving our children. So in addition to what I just described, we also are buying food trucks and we'll be able to feed students in the summertime. So we understand that one of those non-academic barriers to education is I'm hungry. Oh, yeah. You have to focus on algebra when when your belly's growling. So our goal is to make sure our kids have what they need um, all three meals a day and in the summertime. Well, congratulations to all of you for for doing that. And and I got a great glimpse of when we talk about what our kids face, and you touched on it during the break. Uh, Towards the end of my baseball career, I'd come home in the offseason, and I would volunteer at Duber School all the time. And I really, really, when you talk about how can I help uh, get into our buildings, uh, volunteer, uh, you know, our teachers can always use a positive role model, role model to set with our kids in our classrooms and, you know, jump in and do some things. But uh, my first experience is it was the day before Thanksgiving break and a bunch of the kids were just sitting up against the wall crying. And this was like very, you know unknown to me and I asked the principal at the time and she said uh, they're upset because they it'll be five days until they can come back to school this is their safe haven yeah and then one of the things that came out of that is that blessings in a backpack started down at Dover years ago mm-hmm. to where they send the kids home on Friday with a backpack full of stuff to help them get through the weekend mm. so there's just different dynamics you know not just educationally but there's you know the social enemies that our kids face and but there's great groups around town that, that help, you know, they volunteer, they bring in, they donate goods, you know, hats, you know, jackets and things. But you, you have to get into our buildings because our kids love someone to care about. Absolutely. And that's why the little guy out at AIM uh, that I that I mentor, Devin, he's awesome. You know, I've watched him grow. and, and, and uh, Well, when you, you look know, at what happens, if you look at, you know, I did a story on <laughs> Sylvia McGee and the 13-year-old right. and 14-year-old and, rumors of pregnancy and and then killing and everything the the only way to blunt that you're not going to stop it at that point the only way to blunt that is some kind of intervention earlier Uh, and and it's impossible for me to put myself in where those kids are and what they're thinking at that time Uh, but it but it's not impossible for me to try and intervene when that young person is earlier before he or she gets that he gets that point where where he's killing someone. Well, and, uh, and, and that's I, so, and, so and important. I agree with you that we have to provide a safe, stable platform. Uh, it's no different than down at the Peel Coleman Center. You know, the Parks and Rec. We've taken that building. Uh, you know, it's our building, but we took it back over. We we've hired great young kids to help run it, get it off the ground. And we can see the participation is up 200-fold. Uh, we have great programming. The building's bustling with young kids. 
And that's just a little caveat, a little cutout of what we have to do. Yeah. We're never going to stop it. But we're, we at least have to create those positive platforms in their life that that's their safe haven. It's no different than the Stern Center. There's a lot of kids. Kenny Peterson will tell you about his time growing up. Yeah. That was his safe haven. So, uh, you know, the way economics is, it's not like we had six or seven, you know, rec centers around town when I was a kid. But, but when we can do things well, we have to. So we have to. You, you're eight years into this levy. Um, you said, Dr. Graham, that the life of a, of a levy should be seven years, I believe. You typically base it on five years. Five years. I think, as J.R. mentioned, seven years is the average. Okay. Because people start to make major cuts at the end. All right. But so would, so now you're operating that money that was adequate when it was first passed. That's correct. Is now much less than adequate. That's correct. Um, when, when is another one? It's obviously needed mm-hmm. now, but when does it actually... When do you actually propose it? Um, my advice to the board is going to be I'm going to recommend we propose something for next year. Okay. I don't have all of the information back yet um, in terms of exactly what you know. people ask about our vision. And I was asked that question in my interview, and my answer was then and is now. It's not my job to come in with a vision. It's my job to engage the community, find out what they expect from us, then collectively we create a vision, and my job is to get us there. Wow. So I don't, every vision comes with a price tag. Um, and I do believe that there are some areas where we can still um, – Adjust. I mean, there is a business side to this. It's education. We need to make make sure we operate within that realm. Um, That said, we can't cut your way into success. Right now, we're struggling academically. We're struggling financially. And cuts aren't the best way to come out of that necessarily. So we need to come up with a plan for the next five years. Uh, We need to make sure that that plan is something that's sustainable. Um, You talk about the difference between proposing a um, levy cycle piece is five years and stretching it to seven that's because districts do as we did last year, and you make major cuts. And I would argue there's nothing more disruptive to education. You know, you talked before about the, the value of teachers and principals. They're the folks that are going to fix this if we mm-hmm. do it the right way. Uh, however, when you provide supports and then remove supports and provide supports and remove supports, um, it makes their jobs exponentially more difficult than if we never offer those supports to begin with yeah. because it's the constant adjusting to yes. the business model. Yes. So we need to come up with a plan that is sustainable, um, but to do so, and we can cut in some areas, um, and we're still looking at those things, but I'll have some recommendations soon. But if you cut five or ten people or 20 people or even 30 people, it doesn't resolve where we are in two years. No. So we need to make sure that um, my recommendation is to put a levy on the ballot next year so we start collecting in 2021. Okay. I'm just going to end it, John, when we, when, after I'm done. I'm not going to take a break right now, if you don't mind. <laughs> we'll do the contest. We'll squeeze it in. I, I have I have one more question then. Um, you can you pass a levy that automatically increases or no? I'm not sure I understand the question. Automatically? Oh, that that grows with a Impl- time. There are a lot of different levies out there now. Um, my opinion is to because there are income tax levies. There's all kinds of ways we can uh, craft something that is more. Uh, beneficial long-term. But but ideally, you want a levy that goes five years at a time. It's the, it's it's and again, we're in the education world, so our job, it should be easy for us to educate, but to change the rules in a community is, is a very tough thing to do. So to go with the traditional model, at least for now, on a short, whether we go up in March, we go up in November of next year, there's not a lot of time to 
appropriately engage everybody on a new funding model for the Canton City Schools moving forward. You know, you always talk mm-hmm. about, you talk to athletes, you talk to people about envisioning things. Mm-hmm. You, you have a vision for success, for where you want to be as an athlete, for where you want to be as a student. As a superintendent, do you have a vision for where you want Canton City Schools to be? I'm sure you do. I do, yeah. And again, it's not a, an endpoint. Uh, it's not where, like, as I mentioned before, I came in and I say, here's where the Canton City Schools are going to be in five years without knowing anybody in the Canton City Schools and understanding and appreciating the people here. And even though there are similarities between Canton and other places I've been, you can't assume that things are the same. Candidly, they're not. Um, for me, it's a process. It's the process is constantly engaging our stakeholders, constantly listening, constantly adjusting our sales to make sure that we're meeting the needs of the people we serve. Did you come into this and with certain expectations and certain knowledge of the district? Were you, did anything blindside you, anything shock you? You you knew what was going on? Uh, I, nothing shocked me. Um, I knew, again, I did a lot of homework before I even applied. Um, talked to a whole lot of people who have been here for a very long time, and they suggested people to talk to. So I had an, a basic understanding but until you experience a community, you don't fully understand or appreciate all that's there. And I'm still in that appreciation mode. Just some phenomenal people here, and I'm looking forward to working with them. To Stark County is mm-hmm. truly one of the – I've lived in 10 different states, and Stark County is truly one of the best places I have ever lived in, ever seen. The people of this county will respond when asked to respond. And, and – uh, and the same thing is true for Canton. There's a rich heritage here, and, and I'm sure it's going to take off. I'm, I'm so glad you're here. Me too. JR, I'm much. always grateful that you're well, and at you, the and helm you of this. touched something right there for me when you talk about the community will respond. I know when we passed Issue 5 for the parks a few years back, they tried in November, and it wasn't very structured, and, and folks weren't believing in it. So then uh, Mayor Burnaby was elected, and then early in 16, we reconvened. And we came together. We put a group of great community people together. And issue five didn't fail a precinct. But we talked about no new taxes. We need to prove that, you know, we're worthy of getting your money and providing great park service and stuff like that. So when you talk about this community responds, but it also has to trust you. Oh, absolutely. When we reconvened issue five and came back, we didn't lose a precinct, Joe, in the whole city. But it's the message. It's about running our house like they run their house. And it's the history. Yes. I mean, knowing who's in charge. Right. And that's what people expect us to do. And that's the thing that I can tell you from the park side and I know from the school side, I would love for us to get to a place to where we have five years to let our teachers teach, let our kids grow, and let the district do its thing. That's my, you know, that's the baseball in me is that what's our five-year plan? They are. We don't have a choice. You either do it or you don't do it. You either educate your young people or you don't educate them. This is not something that you have a choice in. No, we're not going to fund the school. We're going to continue to cut, and we're going to continue to short-circuit the education of our young people. To me, that's not a choice. You don't have that choice. Well, first got to surround yourself with like-minded people. That's the first thing you have to do. And then you recognize, and Dr. Graham touched on it, we have the best staff in Stark County. I say that at the at the yeah. beginning of each of our board meetings. So to our staff, I say thank you. I thank you that they take time away from their family to do things for our kids outside their work day. Absolutely. That's how we're going to make it. But to our staff and everybody else that helps support our kids, uh, I love you guys. It's awesome. You Thanks. guys make us what we are. I thank you both.
No, I appreciate the invitation. I think we've got a lot. And I'd Thank love you. to do it again. And, and, you know, things come up. I would love to be able to get in touch with you. I always do with JR. Tell me when to be here. All right. Dr. Graham, thank you so much. It was a pleasure meeting you. JR, as always, thank you for being here. Thank you, Joe. Have a great day. Thanks.